So how are we all doing? Good, good. I am in agony. You may, may look at me thinking, oh, he looks okay. I'm not. I, I, I've done something to the whole upper part of my body. I went to the gym with Luke. <laughs> it's okay, he says. I'll give you the light stuff. He gave me a third of what he was lifting. It still hurts. <laughs> but uh, So if you see me pull funny faces, that's what the funny faces are. Um, we, we did a funeral here on Wednesday, which was quite a joy. And we had, we had some people come up, very familiar to us, come up to me and Danny. Steve, lovely to see you. And I'm looking at Danny going, do you know who these are? Like, but yeah, they knew all about us. They were very friendly. How are you doing? And I thought, this is, this is weird. So eventually one of us had to ask Danny. I <laughs> goes, how, how do we know you? And he goes, oh, we, we, we don't know you, but uh, we spent a long time um, over COVID watching this church because our church was closed. This is the church that was open. And so they, they were very familiar with us. It was like, oh, how, so if you're watching online this morning, hi, um, you're welcome. We, 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 uh, yeah, do come along, but do introduce yourself if, if we don't know you. And, and, and the same as upstairs. Good morning, everyone upstairs. Oh, there is a few. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, don't shoot off. Let's let say hello before you go. So we've got a new series, and this series is called The Master's Plan. Because sometimes we think the kingdom of God is all about us, and it's not, because it's all about him. And sometimes when things go wrong or something doesn't work how we think, we get hurt. We can get bruised by it. So um, so today we're, we're going to be looking at um, one of, well, the, uh, Agnes has already said, when God says no... And that can be difficult, can't it? When God says no. That can be painful. It, it says this. This is um, Isaiah 55. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I am my thoughts than your thoughts. And you see, what, what, what seems right to us Sometimes it isn't right for him or his plans. What, what seems, that seems obvious, the best plan to us, is not the best plan for God. You see, we only see a small bit of what's going on where God sees everything. And therefore can sometimes make things that, that can be a bit baffling to us, can leave us confused, and sometimes can even bruise our faith. It can be hard. It can feel unfair. It can feel that, that God wasn't listening to us. Or even worse, that God doesn't love us. But it's his plan, not our plan. And it's okay for him to say no. Sunday night, I went off preaching. I, I, I went uh, to, to uh, Worcester. And I was preaching there, and Worcester, they asked me to preach for 20 minutes. How you can contain me to 20 minutes, no idea. But they said, uh, we're going to do ministry time afterwards, and we'd like, like people to come up and share testimony and things. So we, we preached 20 minutes, and then we had this open time where people could come and respond to what was said and give testimony, and we could have words from God and pictures. Anyway, halfway through this, this, this time, this, this man, who I knew quite well, came up. He was oh, 
hope he's not watching. I imagine in his 70s, pushing on towards his 80s. Forgive me if that you're watching this morning. But um, he got up and uh, he came forward. I says, oh, how can, how can we help? He goes, I'd like you to pray for me. I says, well, how can we pray? He goes, I want, I want to see again. He'd lost his sight over the years and he's finding it really difficult to see. He says, I just want to see once more. And so we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we waited, and we prayed, and nothing happened. God has a right to say no, because his ways aren't our ways. And that can be difficult, can't it? That can be painful for us. I mean, how magical, how great, how, how, how full of faith we were all being if, if he had been healed. But God said no. And we have to accept that sometimes no is good enough for us. His ways are not our ways. And if you look at how God works, he almost chooses things to show that his hands are in it. So when he came to, 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 to find a, a, a warrior, a champion, as he went around looking, he comes across someone called Gideon. And says, Gideon, you mighty warrior. And Gideon went, you're kidding, aren't you? He says, I come from the weakest clan and from the weakest family in that clan. And I'm the weakling in the family. But God looked at him differently. No, because you can do a great thing in my name. It says it in the New Testament, doesn't it? In our weakness, he can be strong. And he saw Gideon and he thought, yeah, when people look at you, and see how weedy you are, they'll see how great I am. It's not done by you, it's done through you. David came with, his, with some food for his brothers. And this giant of a man stood yelling insults at the Israelites, at the army, and at their God. And they all hit, including the king. It should have been the king who went down to face him. He was the tallest man in the, in the country. He was, a, he was a soldier, a warrior. But he didn't go, too scared. should have been the army. Someone from there should have stepped forward and said, oh, I'll take him on. But he didn't. But God chose David. No military experience. Just a lad. And says, you go. And so he walked forward. Why? Because everyone would know that it's not David, but God through David who does something amazing. Paul, who was Saul. I'm sure God was sat down with the angels and go, right, we need to take this gospel and we need to spread it to the Gentiles. Any ideas? And I'm sure the angels would have come up with some great ideas and, and God would go, no, no, I've got an idea. Who would be the last person on the earth we should choose. How about someone who, who prays every day and thanks me that they're not a Gentile? That would be a good start, wouldn't it? Let, let's go for someone who's like a Pharisee who would find it, uh, find it difficult even to speak to a Gentile, never mind going to the home. Who would be the worst of the you sort of Pharisees? And, and they came up with the name, let's go for Saul. And Jesus turns up on one of his journeys and 
throws them down before him and blinds them and says, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who is it? Well, it's me, Jesus. And I'm going to call you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And you will suffer greatly in my name. You see, when people look at Paul, they'd say it's not him. It's God working through him. And that's how he chooses people. His ways aren't our ways. So we come to our passage today, and we're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16. So flick that open and make sure I don't deviate too much from the text, because I will. Um, so just, just stick with me. We're going to look at this uh, bizarre bit of scripture funny bit of scripture that we, we're going to look at and then, um, and then we're going to see what God says. Let, let me just uh, get you where, where we're up to. So what happens is um, someone takes, takes the gospel to, to a place called Antioch and suddenly Greeks are becoming Christians. And so the disciples are like, oh, what's going on here? And so they decide to send someone. So they, they look for him. Who's, who's an encourager? Who's a nice guy? And they choose Barnabas and say, right, Barnabas, we need you to go to Antioch. And so Barnabas goes off, goes off to Antioch. And then he says, went, oh, these people really have a faith and God's doing something. And the Holy Spirit's working in them. So he says, I need some help. Who can I get to help? Who would a cooker I encourage? And so he goes and finds this guy called Paul. Now, Paul, after this whole incident with Jesus... He gets, has to get sneaked out of the city. He goes to Jerusalem. It doesn't really work in, for him in Jerusalem because everyone's like, you're still Paul who used to persecute us and they're all a bit handsy off. You know what I mean? Leave him to be. I don't trust him. So he ends up back in Tarsus. Saul has been in Tarsus about 12 years. Imagine that. You're going to be my chosen instrument. And then for the next 12 years, he's just kicking around doing nothing. God's not using him. Why? Because it takes the church about 12 years to catch up to what God's doing. So Barnabas goes and collects them, and off they go to Antioch. And uh, again, God uses them in such a, such a great way. Then Barnabas and Paul are then commissioned to take this and to go on a journey. To start in Cyprus, and they go off telling people the great news about Jesus. And God does an amazing thing through them. They take with them this character called John Mark. I love John Mark. He's, he's in the Bible, he's one of the guys who I can identify with. John Mark is on this journey and uh, gets homesick and leaves Paul and Barnabas to go back home. Do you know who John Mark is? You're all giving me that, yeah, someone in the Bible, any John Mark. Right, you're going to have to help me here, okay? We're going to use our imaginations a little bit. John Mark, I, I believe, is the John Mark, um, when, when, remember when Jesus says, oh, all right, I need, I need somewhere that we're going, to, we're going to have the Passover. And he says, tells his disciples, go and you'll find a guy with a water, watering jug above his head. Follow him. Wherever he goes, that's where we're going to have uh, the Passover, and so they follow this guy, he goes into a house, and so the, Jesus says, we can have the Passover here. And they prepare a room in the upper room for the disciples, and they have the Passover meal. Now, in the, it says in the, uh, later on in, in the evening, they go off to pray in the garden. 
Many people believe that it was John Mark who took the disciples to the garden. And it's there that Jesus gets arrested. Now, if you're, if you're in the Gospel of Mark, okay, there's a character when someone grabs a young man and it says that he slips out from his clothes and runs away naked. Many people believe that that was Mark. Mark wasn't really a Christian then. He just had the Lord staying at his house. But imagine a few days later when he comes back to life again and appears in his, his house in the upper room with the disciples, that maybe his opinions about this uh, rabbi have changed and he becomes a follower. So he has this falling out. So, so he has this uh, homesickness and he, he, he goes home and he leaves uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas then um, have taken this message, but there's an issue. The issue is that um, they're telling that all the, these new believers, all these uh, Gentiles who, who've now decided to follow Jesus, if they want to be a Christian, they've got to have a small operation, a little bit of surgery. And imagine the church is full of ladies. And the guys are, well, we're not sure. <laughs> but, um, but Paul and Barnabas then have to take this issue to the church and say, well, what is the church's ruling on it? So they go, it goes to the, the, the Jerusalem council and say, look, this is, this is hard enough for Jews to follow. Never mind the Gentiles. And they eventually make this decision that, okay, you don't have to follow all the rules, especially the one about the... He says, what we'll decide to do is um, you've got you to not eat meat with blood in it. You've got to avoid sexual impurity. It was the sort of two things they sort of picked up. And the rest of this, just follow the rules that Jesus said. Love one another and uh, love God. And so you have this, this incident where they said, look, you don't have to be circumcised anymore. And so with this letter from the council, Paul and Barnabas decide that they're going to take it round and encourage the churches. Woo! Good news! So they get there. Well, Barnabas wants to take John Mark with him again. And, and, and Paul's like, he deserted us once. We're not taking this guy again. But Barnabas, we need encourager, uh, says, no, we've got to take him. And there's this fight breaks out between Paul and Barnabas. And they split, and they go different ways. Barnabas takes John Mark and heads for Cyprus. Paul takes Silas, and he heads for a place called Derby. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, and we'll read from verse 1. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a, was a Jewish and a believer, but his father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him on the journey. I love this. So, so what are they taking on this journey? A letter to say what? No longer need to be circumcised. So what's the first thing that he does? He goes to, to Timothy. He goes, oh, Timothy, you're a great guy. 
Are you up for an adventure, Timothy? And Timothy's like, yes! It's going to be dangerous. Are you up for it? Yes, I love danger. He says, "Um, we're going to go and see lots of people. I love people. We're going to go around lots of cities. I love the cities. You're going to have to have a small up. What? So he was circumcised. To go and tell people that they didn't have to be circumcised. This bothered me. I was speaking to Steve through the week going, "This, this just doesn't make sense. But it does make sense when you start to think about it. So, anyone here come from a Catholic background? No. Oh, one or two. One or two. Excellent. So, so if you you want to, I come from an area that's very Catholic Protestant in Scotland. So, if you wanted, and some of my friends did, want to, to marry a Catholic, what would happen would be, if she was Catholic, you would have to become a Catholic in order to marry her. Because the female's faith was always seen as the stronger of, of the two. And it's the same that goes back to Jewish roots. So in the Jewish roots, if, um, if your mother was Jewish, it would be expected that you would be Jewish. But here, Timothy has taken his father's side and not gone the Jewish route um, in terms of, of being circumcised. And so Paul says that's almost like you're despising the faith that we're going round to. And so that's why he is circumcised. And so Timothy, being the man that he was, agreed to this, and off they went on this adventure. So pick it up, uh, verse 2. Um, oh, halfway through. So, whose mother was a Jewish uh, believer and whose father was a Greek. The believers at Rister and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on this journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they traveled from town to town, and they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were, were strengthened in faith and grew daily in number. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, of, oh, here we go, uh, Fergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of uh, Mysia and they tried to enter Bithany, uh, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing begging him come over to Macedonia and help us and after Paul had seen the vision he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia and concluding that the God had called us to preach the gospel to them do you get it? this quick bit of scripture is a huge journey. It's about 400 miles that they would have walked. And they're going from city to city. And every time they get into a city and Paul prays, do you want me to preach? The Holy Spirit said, no. Can you imagine that? He's like, why? What's going on? I'm, I'm here to preach. I'm good at preaching. Yeah, we could do well here. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't preach here. And so he goes on to the next city. Can I preach here? No. And he's like, what? okay. And they're going on, city after city after city, through this province, through this area of Asia. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just says, no, you can't preach here. I don't want you to preach here. No, no. It seems bizarre, doesn't it? But that's what the Holy Spirit's saying. He would not allow him to preach in Asia at that point. 
No, I'm taking you on. It's hard to get your mind around why God says no. Surely preaching would be a good thing. But God says no. And for some reason, for 400 miles, week after week, and poor Timothy, who's just joined the team, going, yeah, let's go preaching, is like, no, we're not allowed to preach here. Until they get to Macedonia, where something happens, and God says yes. I was... um, at Bible College. I used to get up early at Bible College, not because I was holy or anything, but because I wanted to be first in the shower. Um, so I would be up before anyone else, and the showers were, the best showers were the far end of uh, the college. I'd walk over there and get a shower. But one day as I'm walking over, I bumped into one of the other students. And I said, oh, what are you doing up early? He went, he said, ah, I felt God was going to heal me of my, my, my eyesight. And that I wouldn't need glasses. I went, yeah. He went, he hasn't. I went, oh, sorry about that. He went, yeah, but in faith, I threw my glasses in the bin. I went, oh, okay. He went, there's lots of bins in the skip where the thing. He went, you can't give me a hand. I was like, okay. And off we went, tearing open bins, looking for glasses. And as we were taking open bins, we were talking about this. Desperately wanted to see, didn't have glasses. But God said, no, I'm not going to heal you. And so it's a bit embarrassing, but it happens. Next weekend, one of my friends get married. She's very smart, very clever. Went off to, to train as a doctor. And as she went off to train, and um, they discovered that she, she had something wrong. She had a tumor on her brain in a place where they couldn't operate, in a place where they can't even give any form of treatment. She was told it was terminal. And this young girl, bright, was told that her life would be short. It's been a struggle for her. But next weekend she gets married. But when we prayed for healing, God said no. Doesn't mean it's always no. We're not going to stop praying. But up to this point, God has said no. But it's okay, isn't it, for God to say no? And if I was to take a mic and uh, pass it around today, We'd all have stories where God said no, wouldn't we? Where we'd prayed for something and it never happened. Where our hearts were broken. It didn't make sense to us. But it happened in the Bible as well. Moses was told, no, that no, you won't be entering the promised land. Paul asked for a thorn to be taken away from him. And God said, no. Jesus asked if there's another way other than facing the cross. And God said, no. David, remember when he had that affair with Bathsheba? 
That child got ill, very ill. And it says that David then put on sackcloth and covered himself in ash and prayed for God to heal that child. And God said no. It's okay for God to say no. Because it's his plan, not our plan. And our job is to, to trust in him no matter what's going on. And God will say no to us at times and we'll find it hard. But the question that he asked is, will you trust me in this? Will you trust me? I got a video. Um, we'll let the kids come in. Ian, invite everyone in. It's fine, we've got a video. Come on in. We're just about to watch a video, guys, so you can come and watch it as well. So. Okay, let's watch this. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm-hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So... Do you trust me? Uh, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall back. Okay. (laughs) That's great. Uh, let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. (laughs) Good. Ah! Oh, Jesus, you really caught me! I didn't think you were going to catch me, but you did! Oh, that was great! That was great! You're ready for level two! Level two, here I come, baby! Woo! Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Woo! Forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Oh. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes, the okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. <laughs> Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, 
and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Let's pray. It's your will, Father, not ours. And uh, sometimes it's difficult for us when, when we ask and you say no. But may we trust in you. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even though our hearts are breaking. We're going to trust in you. And today, Father, some people have done that. Some people over the past have, have had their hearts broken and found it very difficult. But they're here. And in the future, we're going to face this again. And when it gets difficult, when it comes to trust, may we trust in you. So bless us. And give us that strength when you say no. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing, and then we're going to be a little bit brave. We've got birthdays coming up. But before birthdays, Agnes... I just want to, we're going to open the mic. If you've got something to share, something encouraging to us, maybe a picture, maybe a testimony, um, maybe some words of encouragement, then we're going to have a little space for that to happen this morning. Um, Also, if you look to your right, this is our blackboard, and on there we're putting up things. So if if you're going to the cinema, don't go by yourself. Put it up there so we can all go together. Someone's put up there, uh, Raphael's put up there, if you need some house repairs or car repairs or gardening, then give him a call and he'll help. Or someone, Sarah, to look after pets, you know what I mean, that number's up there, or babysitting. So if you can help, do, or doing something, throw it on the board and we can do it together. Anyway, Agnes, over to you.